Street. Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week I'm thrilled to have Nay and Bender of Hiatus Coyote, the Melbourne-based twice Grammy-nominated band, as my very special guests. We caught up on all things Mood Valiant, their stunning third album and long-awaited return out on Brain Feeder. These are songs that weave complex and masterful instrumentation with explorative and soulful lyricism. If you were not a fan before, you need to take Mood Valiant for a spin and douse yourself in some sweet, sweet rays of musical sunshine because this is a summer album and then some. So stay nicely tuned for that interview coming up very, very shortly. But as always, I have some Rough Trade edit album picks for you. And this week we are kicking things off with the wonderful Faye Webster. Now her 2019 album Atlanta Millionaires Club was a really big hit at Rough Trade. And the follow up, I Know I'm Funny Ha Ha, looks set to receive a very similar response. With her sound drawing as much from 1970s lapsteel pop and teardrop country tunes as the audacious personalities of her city's rap and R&B community, Faye Webster's music is undeniably Faye Webster, with personality shining through. Faye says, I told myself a few years ago that I was going to be more honest in my songwriting, that honesty is the best route to take with music. If I have a voice and people are listening to me, I'm not going to waste it. Orders of the blue vinyl at Rough Trade come with a lovely signed print, so do get your skates on because they won't stick around. But just before you surf roughtrade.com, check out this preview from the album. This is Faye Webster, and cheers. Next up, and we have Nick Cave and Warren Ellis with their brand new album, Carnage. Now, as the title suggests, this is a brutal album from the two bad seeds, but nestled in amongst the wreckage are truly, truly beautiful songs. Nothing less than we have come to expect from these musical heavyweights. Although this is the first time they have released an entire album as a duo, there's comforting familiarity here. Recorded during lockdown, Carnage is music for uncertain times, but it is bathed in a bold sense of hope. Here is the title track. This is just so good. This is, I adore this album. This is Nick Cave and Warren Ellis and Carnage. And then a sudden sun explodes. It was you. It was you. And only you. And it's only Next, and Manchester singer-songwriter Francis Lung returns with Miracle, his new album marrying the cinematic, dreamlike quality of his earlier music with purred-back charm. Recorded in early 2020 in Wales and finished at his home studio, Miracle is a deeply personal record reflecting on struggles with mental health, substance abuse and relationships. Now, whether you can immediately relate or not, this album is like a warm, reassuring hug and really explores the themes and thoughts 
many of us can recognise in our own lived experiences. These songs instantly delight and it is one we'll have on repeat for a good while yet. Uh, Francis Lung recently shared an awesome transmission performance on our Instagram TV. I do highly recommend checking that out if you've not done so already. And in the meantime, here's a preview of the track, Say So. When I die, we love in the store I'm a in the pond Now, looking back over the last few weeks, it's about time we had another glorious dose of Dan Carey-produced Speedy Wonderground magic. And as luck would have it, they have delivered in the form of the debut EP from the excellent Lounge Society. On Silk for the Starving, we have songs that are articulate, enraged, energised and, crucially, highly danceable. So slide into your fancy footwear and get a load of this. This is the Lounge Society and Burn the Heather. And that wraps our edit album highlights for this week. You can find all the albums that are top of our wish list at roughtrade.com or adorning the racks in store. Out this week is the fantastic third album from Australia's Hiatus Coyote, six years on from their last album, Choose Your Weapon, back in 2015. I spoke to Napalm and Paul Bender from the band who joined me to discuss overcoming challenges, uniting in art, friendship and their valiant journey to creating this stunning, stunning new album. A really big thanks to them for chatting to me. Enjoy this one. Thank you for listening and I will catch you in the next one. So, hi, Tiscoyote. Welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. Um, super, super thrilled to have you guys uh, joining me for this. I appreciate time zones. Sometimes a little tricky, but we're all kind of adjusting to this kind of new way of digital communication. Um, how have you guys been? How have the last kind of few weeks of, I guess it's your winter, how have they been? It is winter. That's why I'm wearing this ridiculous lamb hat. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty good. We're just like, um, you know, like we've been pretty fortunate that things, I mean, they open up and then they close again. But, you know, like um, there's live music back and, you know, the we- the weather's a bit trash. But for the most part, you know, it's exciting to have a new record coming out and we've been rehearsing a bit and stuff. So. Yeah, it's we're we're more fortunate than a lot of other other places where sure live music is a thing of the ancient past. Yeah, definitely. But the good news is that you do have a new record out. Um, it is mm-hmm. Mood Valiant. It is released on Friday the twenty fifth of June on Brain Feeder. 
and it is absolutely amazing. Um, congratulations on the album. It has been a really, really tough year, I think, for so many people, but there's been so many mixed emotions and you guys have certainly experienced um, your fair share of challenges along the way. But you began recording the album in 2018. And at that point, what was kind of the roadmap, if you like, for the record? Was it essentially sort of finished and were you looking to perhaps release it the following year? Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> we never know how long it's going to take. So we try not to get our hopes up. It's just like it'll take as long as it takes. And the roadmap is always, um, it's less of like, it's less of like a roadmap and it's more like one of those like chronic trusty like, treasure maps you make as a kid where you sort of like put coffee stains in it and burn the edges and it's really cryptic um it's <laughs> you know it's like uh it's not it's, it's never like a, a straight line there's always like weird tangents and um you never know what you know you can kind of go in with this a very clear plan i'll do this this way and this this way and then um you try that and that's not how it works and then other things uh end up just happening along the way then end up being really inspiring and just like you know being a whole new um you know breath of inspiration and like new material just from experimenting or just you know being in a in a moment in the studio so yeah we try to make plans but um it's it just sort of falls the, the chips fall where they may really yeah i mean art is super elusive you know what i mean like you can plan for like a baby shower or like to build a house. But when it comes to art, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, how long is a piece of string? You know, um, I mean, also a factor is that we were touring our faces off and it's hard to get in the studio when you're on the road. Yeah. Um, plus, we took a year off just for our like mental health. And so we still like each other <laughs> and still get excited about making music together, <laughs> which is super integral. You know, I had some like health stuff and then there was like a pandemic. So there's there's a lot of uh, life variables. But, you know, we've been we we've been working in stints. It's not like we've just been like every day in the studios since 2018. You know, it's yeah. like, you do like five days at this studio or, you know, like I think I think there's there's no. um I mean, for the type of music that we make, it's very like elaborate and um, there's a lot of effort and intention. And, you know, if we just like, I feel like it wouldn't be worth it if we had have just like worked out a formula and then done that. And then like, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's not, that's not what it is for us. So, yeah. you know, we took our sweet time and we're all really proud with what we have and, you know, yeah. good things come to those who wait. Yeah. I guess it is like it is an, an evolution, isn't it? An album, I suppose, and it can chop and change so much. And mm. I love how you say that you guys had a um, had some time out. I think that's something that's maybe not spoken about enough. And mm. bands just feel like they have to kind of press on all the time. And any downtime is kind of time that they're going to have to spend catching up when they when they do come back. Was it mm. was it something? Mm you as a group kind of came to a decision to do I know you went off and did other projects in that time um that you had out but do you think it's really you know bonded you cl closer as a band and made the kind of art that you create even stronger as a result 
Yeah. And I think we needed to do it because we were, you know, we'd been touring so much after Choose Your Weapon. It was like a real, got to being a real slog and it just was, you know, just got really intense. And, um, you know, luckily we've got the kind of fan base who, you know, is willing to like see what happens when we come back because, you know, there's definitely certain um, music and artists that, you know, maybe their kind of fan base or maybe the place where they sit in the musical culture is a bit like, oh, you know, like whatever, like it's just what's the next thing? We don't care. Like you've disappeared from my immediate vision and then you just suddenly don't exist anymore. But um we also got super you know, lucky with the remixes, you know, like all these artists yeah. remixing our stuff kind of bought us some time mm. as yeah. well. It definitely kept us in, 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 in some sort of like uh, people's awareness of us just by, you know, that happening a bunch, which was very cool. Yeah. I guess but it is like, it is like you said, like, you know, it's like there's a, the entertainment industry is more like fast food, you know, and that's not, you know, we like plant the seeds and grow it, and then you know, like it's a whole elaborate process that requires a lot of patience and love. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, like we're just not that type of band, and and you can like, I think, I mean, a lot of bands fall apart for like mediocre reasons, you know, and a lot of it's just like you're tired, you're overworked, you're living in each other's pockets like I think like we all just like really valued the chemistry that you have and wanting to preserve preserve that and that was part of that was part of making the album like we weren't in the studio but like taking the time to really you know work out your demons or whatever I think is really useful and it is it's that thing of like you know when we first started out, it was like, you have to say yes to everything because your career is going to be over. Yeah. You know, but it's like when you've been doing it for a while, it's like, it's just, it doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. It matters if you make it matter. But for the most part, it's like the thing that matters the most to us is the, is the music and whatever we have to do to preserve it and make it the best it can be, you know, so be it. Yeah. I guess there is this sort of, you spoke sort of touched on it there about pressures of always being present and kind of yeah I guess it's nice that you've got music that can clearly live beyond kind of the release period as it were and you spoke about the remixes that it allows you to have that downtime um and I guess also what with having a a pandemic that has given so many people or forced people into having the time away from touring and maybe reflecting more on maybe it is healthier for us to take deliberate breaks even when the pandemic has hopefully passed that that will be something mm. more in the culture of music maybe yeah yeah i mean i, I mean it's, it's kind of yeah. career suicide but it was worth it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. you guys have done it and you're doing super well so i think people should take a take a leaf <laughs> um let's chat a bit about brazil because you went out to work with Arthur he was amazing and obviously we, like we all just respect his work so much and just love his music and um yeah it was a pretty potent time just like being in the control room hearing 
his rain his arrangements in any form for the very first time um being put on on that track um and it's like you know he wrote things that we didn't really expect but then we ended up just being like whoa this is crazy and where did that um relationship sort of come from were you introduced by a mutual friend how did that sort of come about we all are massive fans of his work and i was like we should get Arthur Erica to arrange something like it's like the the bucket list of people that you'd want to collaborate with mm -hmm. and uh yeah eventually just like tracked him down we thought like so we worked with Miguel Howard Ferguson on a string arrangement for Choose Your Weapon. And the first time Arthur Verakai performed his like iconic self-titled album, um, Miguel was the, the MD, the music director for it. So we knew there was a point of contact there, but it ended up being through like, um, I think through like a Brazilian promoter that we had. Also like, He's, he's 75, but he's online, you know, <laughs> just send him an email, you know. That's the beauty of the internet is like sometimes, sometimes collaborations can come from like a Twitter conversation, you know, like, and that's, that's the beauty of living in this day and age. Um, but it was, it was really monumental that we actually went there to experience it rather than doing it via email or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, for example, with the with the uh, Q-tip feature on the re-release of Nakamura, I've never met him. None of us have met him. And like, that was via email conversation. So it was like so weird to like go in the studio and hear him singing along. <laughs> it's like, that's fucking Q-tip, but not having that personal relationship. So it was really cool to be able to, to achieve that with Arthur and, we ended up cutting two other records, two other songs for the record. And I went to the Amazon and Pez went to Bahia. So it was a really, it was a nice way to kind of wrap up, you know, all the loose ends of working on the album over a long period of time. It was like, let's go to, let's go do a like a nice fun, you know, little field trip adventure just to kind of wrap it up. And it ended up just like really making the album sing. Yeah. yeah, what an awesome, awesome opportunity. And you mentioned there that um, you cut a couple of tracks. Um, mm. So yeah, a couple of songs from the album were actually kind of born there, one of which mm. was your single Red Room. Um, and it's really interesting to me to listen back to that track because now I'm kind of transported to some like super intimate Brazilian studio on a really warm evening. It all just fits really wonderfully. Um, mm. So that must be really nice when you listen to those tracks to kind of have that experience to kind of marry with it i think the spectrum like i don't know i, I never really we didn't know red room was going to be on the record because it didn't exist before because mm -hmm. ben had just like wrote the riff on the spot and we did some passes of it but um the thing that i both hate and love about it is it's like it's a moment captured so there's a lot of imperfections and it was like two in the morning, three in the morning, my voice is like, you know, running on like very thin ice. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the human in it, you know? And, and so it was really cool that that ended up being a single because with Get Son, it's like, 
very arranged, very considered. We've got Arthur Verica doing this amazing composition over it. And then it's it's kind of shows people the spectrum. It's like some things are really calculated and some things are just vibe, you know, and you can't limit yourself to one particular formula because then you miss out on like the bigger picture, you know. So it's it's a really and the crazy thing is the contrast of those two tracks and they were literally like captured like a lot of it was captured in the same studio as well so yeah 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 what were you gonna say bendy um oh for me that one's got a special place in my heart just because it was like the quickest and easiest thing that we've actually ever made in our entire career Essentially, it's like, here's a riff, let's write an arrangement. They wrote some lyrics, like, really fast, and then we tracked it, and there was another engineer recording it, and he recorded, like, just got really great sounds, and then I barely had to, like, mix it at all. And so it was just, like, everything about that was the easiest thing. And, and, and so it's, like, because, you know, definitely certain things, there's always a, a track or some tracks on a record that end up being, like, you know, a real struggle to get them how you want especially when things get like more dense sonically so when there's something that's just easy and and then people really react it was just like oh that's nice you know it's like how refreshing um you know that it's just there's something you know low effort but um big results you know is, is a great thing that happens quickly yeah. the beauty of being of like spontaneity i suppose and when you think mm. Was there like an immediate feeling that, yeah, these tracks are going to make the album or was it kind of, uh, we'll get back, we'll kind of listen back? No, it wasn't, wasn't obvious. Well, it, it wasn't obvious. Like, it's 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 only really right at the end that it becomes like, oh, yeah, apparent, like, these are the songs out of all the things we've been working on that should actually be on the record. And so that changed, like, a lot of times, yeah. um, like, what we what we thought would be the shape or sort of intensity or scope of the album and and the selection like changed heaps of times like what the overarching sort of feeling of it would be you know changed many times over those like years working on stuff because we record some other things as well that are you know in various states um but uh yeah it uh i'm i'm very happy with how the selection came together because it definitely feels like it's something um very uh, uh cohesive for us being a band that does a lot of different vibes across lots of different little nods to different genres that you know like obviously choose your weapon is a sprawling just like you know smorgasbord of everything so for it to feel like they all belong together um, so much in this one is, um, you know, is a very nice result. Mm, definitely. Um, I guess part of that sort of cohesiveness, when you had all the tracks together, is that when you um, decided to title the record? Because I love the story about uh, the meaning behind the, the title of the album, Mood Valiant. Um, so did that come right at the end or was that kind of a quite progressive sort of thing? Was it in there in the mix with some other titles? It was, it was kind of in the mix for a while. Um, and it's interesting. It's, it's never I, linear. We're not, we're like, it's really interesting that you're just like, you know, like, what was your plan? How long was this? It's like, none of us are linear. It's just like, you kind of got your bits and then you stitch it all together at the end and you're like, oh, I got a blanket, you know, like, 
there's the there's less of an obsession of timeline for us, I yeah. guess, when it comes to like putting it together. I feel like the title probably sort of emerged sort of maybe somewhere around the middle of the thing. Um, and it's interesting because as soon as you sort of have a title and we all really liked the title, like that feels really cool. Like that feels really cool as a title. And then that kind of like, in a way kind of guides your intuition about like what the whole thing should be because you start thinking about that name and like what is that signifying and so like what belongs with that and like what would this song mean in the context of that being the title um and then it starts to i don't know it's like having a title for an album it's like you know it's the name of the whole sort of novel in a way so it's like um you start thinking about the bigger picture when you're thinking about the smaller pieces and um yeah it's sort of like what does this mean like what does this mean in that context and it's um interesting how it sort of pushes your imagination into the into the sort of side of things yeah i guess it's also it's a really lovely tribute to your to your mum no because i love the story about how she had these two valiant cars and one was black and one was white and she kind of drove them depending on her mood. Um, mm. I guess most album titles hold meaning, of course, um, and often personal meaning, but I think this one really was seemed really special to me. And I think it's one of the most interesting ones that I've come across in a long time. Um, Thank you. So that's really lovely. It must kind of evoke for you some really unique kind of memories and things. Yeah, I mean, yeah it was part of like it's this like quirky kitsch story but the reason why i wanted to reference that was because a big part of making the album was like you know going through a breast cancer diagnosis and it's an illness that i lost my mother to and so like they're pretty huge themes to be you know grappling with just in life in general but being the creative that I am it's like my emotional experience of the world is often what you see or what you hear mm -hmm. and so yeah I guess I just wanted to it's kind of like a head nod to her because you know like seeing her go through all the illness stuff when I was 11 is very different to like actually going through the same fucking tests that she had to go through you know and so it was just that expansion of a deep emotional kind of trauma mm -hmm. and then revisiting it and, and like growing with it you know and having the, the guys to be able to like having a sanctuary in the studio where I can really you know lean into it and expand on that so yeah, that, that's kind of like the motivation of, of naming the record that, you know, it's like, it's like an ode to her, but in this like kind of quirky way. Mm. Plus the words are just beautiful. Like, I love the word valiant. Yeah. You know, it's lovely. Um, so I guess channeling then that kind of what you had been going through in during your time um, being unwell, do you feel that when you kind of came back to the studio and you all regrouped that the record kind of took quite a different 
sort of path in that respect like obviously you had so much so many other emotions and kind of feelings and experiences to kind of put into that music did it change quite drastically or do you think you just it just you just tweaked it where things maybe looked a little different now uh i mean as much as it's like a life-altering experience i don't th it's not like i was some rookie some emotional rookie beforehand <laughs> you know like i'm an orphan and i've been homeless it's like i've i've lived so it was just kind of like another not like another notch in the belt of like fuckery but when you're used to that your whole life it's not like it doesn't rattle you as much i guess but the thing that i did take away from it was like i mean even like there's there's footage of me and bender performing a curtis mayfield song from hospital like literally the day after i had my surgery Wow. And like, so it was like, it was instant for me. It was like, I, this is what I want to do. And, you know, it was kind of a wake up call. It's like, I don't know how much time I have, but with the time that I do have, this is what I want to do. And so I wouldn't say my writing changed, but I definitely had a fire lit under my butt as far as like actually motivating myself to do it. And also like in the studio, just being a lot more liberal, liberal with it and like, and selfish as artists, like let's just make weird quirky things that we love and like less of the internal voices that tell you that you're not good enough or like, I don't know, will people like this? Or maybe I should do it more like this. It's just like all of, all of those, all of those voices were just like hushed because it was like, when you experience something as big as like facing your mortality, the little things don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was really like, yeah, liberating. Um, so I would say that my approach changed in that way, but it wasn't like, now I'm only gonna write depressing songs or I don't know, like, sure. yeah, we've, all, we've always just shared and written, like, I don't know, it's, it's interesting whenever people are like, oh, hey, this has changed, no, 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 it's so different. It's like, we're human, all human beings are constantly evolving. Yeah. Like, I, it, would be, it would be a great tragedy if we worked out a formula and just stuck with it, you know? Like, I hate it, I hate it when I love a band and you can just like, and then they just make the same song forever and you're like, all right, cool, like, you know? Like, I never wanna do that yeah and i guess it's it's great for the fact so if the band that they love is is kind of unpredictable in a way and it's everything is very fresh and a surprise and you can experience those different journeys with them um mm. that's really great and i suppose you as a band in the last three years you have all shared and kind of supported each other through everything that's happened and I'm sure you were like a family before Mood Valiant, but I imagine even more so now. Would you say it's bonded you in a way that you wouldn't have really thought of before? Is, is your bond much stronger now? I mean, I feel like- I think so, yeah. The more time you spend with each other, that happens, mm. you know? Mm. Time, time is, of, you know, time is yeah. the thing. I wouldn't say it's because of the album, though, you know, like, yeah. I guess the idea is that you're always evolving and, and like, and, you know, like, 
even even like the fights or whatever it's like either it breaks you or you come back stronger and when you've been in a band for 10 years you know it's like you've had a lot of time together and so it's constantly deepening you know yeah like even i feel like even if we took another year off our relationship would still develop you know like that's the the natural evolution of the world and how relationships work mm. and then you're going to be going on on tour um which i imagine it's been a little while since you've done that so how are you kind of preparing as a band to kind of tour these songs and kind of get back out there after having some some time apart um we've been rehearsing a bunch and we've been uh, rehearsing again with our backing vocalists which has been really great um because those guys are the incredible best. And they just bring so much vibe and joy to the experience. Um, so that's been really great. Because, um, yeah, we didn't really see those guys really much um, over the past, you know, whole lockdown um, thing. Um, so that's been really, really, really refreshing just to hear, like, you know, it's such an important part of the music that, you know, we've sometimes done it with them and sometimes without them, but having all those voices there, like, vibing so hard is um is a really significant like addition to mm. to the song so that's been really really very fun it's been really great so yeah a lot of that lately i was watching the video the red room video uh just yesterday and i noticed obviously there's so many comments on it but you guys reply to quite a lot of them is that something that's quite important to you to kind of have a quite consistent dialogue with your fans and kind of check in because um, I know not all bands either have time or are able to do that. I don't know who is doing it on YouTube because I don't have an account for that. But um, definitely like on Instagram, you know, yeah. like for the most part, I'll check in because it's kind of beautiful. You know, sometimes there's like Muppets, but like for the most part, like there's a lot of love in our comment section which is kind of rare you know like sometimes i like look at other 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 pages that have the same kind of amount of following and it can be like bots and trolls and shit but i think there's there's a really solid community you know or like people that are like i went to a hiatus show by myself and then I, it felt like you know, if you know, then you're the homie kind of thing. And like they make they make connections with people there, you know, and the cool thing about that is our fans are really vast, you know, it kind of surprised me like, you know, this like, this like, um, Korean woman in her mid 40s with a couple of kids in a park in some random suburb. Um, came up to me and was just like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan. And it's like, it's it's like, sometimes it's like, you never really know who, who is going to be a fan. Yeah. And it can really surprise you. Like maybe it's like a metalhead on the tram or something. And like, that's kind of a testament. Like maybe there's, maybe you're not going to like everything, but because we, each song is its own universe. Like the, the people like whose radar it, it it's on is like quite, broad which is really beautiful like especially like when we perform and like looking out in the audience it's just like there's not another situation where you would see all these people hanging out together and i really love that yeah 
that is that's such a great uh, that's such great insight it's really interesting um and I guess you do you feel quite overwhelmed sometimes by how like I guess popular you have become in quite a short space of time really it's, it definitely uh there was a point where it shut up pretty quick and it was pretty crazy um and pretty wild to go to the other side of the world and just to be um, the first time and immediately be met by a whole crowd singing along with things that was pretty wild so especially if English <laughs> isn't their first language like yeah. you go to a country and you're kind of struggling to communicate because you don't know the language and then you perform and it's like word for word everyone sings it's pretty crazy yeah and even even like the first time we went to the states like people were singing along with songs weren't even on our first record they were just like um just song on other songs we hadn't released that were just on youtube and they sing along and it's like whoa okay <laughs> that's crazy yeah. you just know that think- from that one gig we did like that was filmed like it's pretty nuts I think regardless of fame, like the thing is, it's just like interactions with human beings, you know, and you might have, you might go out and like whoever talks to you throughout the day, you know, it's like sometimes people are just curious. Like I'm the sort of person where like hella people just talk to me. Like I attract crazies, like whether they know who I am or not. And so it's like, for me, like, I always, for the most part, welcome human interaction, you know, like I actually really love it. The only downside is when there's like punishes where they're so emotional that they don't know what to do with it. And they actually isolate you in in because they have this projection of like of like putting you on a pedestal. It's it can actually be really isolating. And that's that's the thing I don't like the most about it is like yeah like you'll be talking to somebody and they'll ask you a question and I'm very uh it's very easy for me to be personable like I'm I'm very like I I am very like what you see is what you get and I can be very blunt and I'm very expressive and so if someone asks me a question then I'll like give people the time of day and talk about it but sometimes like you'll be answering a question and they're not even listening to you and just taking selfies. And it's just like, you're like, you know, like, do you actually want to talk to me or are you just having your little Instagram moment, you know? And for me, that's the only downside, you know, like if you can bring people joy, then it's cool. And also like the more profile you get, the more you can share your platform with issues that are important and underrepresented. Like that's been really powerful and useful for me personally. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.